What's cracking? It's Joel, and you're listening to the My Age Podcast, a podcast that brings you conversations with people from all walks of life, using music to plot a map from their early years to how they got to where they are now. What's going on? Hope you're well. Uh, hope this winter hasn't been too brutal for you. Uh, it's almost over. We're at the 66% of the way through, Mark. Two-thirds. Um, let this one sink in. It's going to be 27 degrees on Sunday Celsius in winter. 27. And for anyone in the Northern Hemisphere... Oh, actually, no, I won't say the Northern Hemisphere. For anyone who plays with Fahrenheit... That would be about 90-something. If we, Even if we just call it 90s, it's still fucking stupid. Um, so, yeah, go figure that one. Uh, what's going on with me? Cody's... Eight, well, the day this gets released, Cody, <coughs> Cody will be eight months old. Um, he had two teeth kind of creep on through a few weeks ago. So, that was pretty cool. And he, he's been saying, Mama... And the other day he reached out and said, reached out to Nicole and said, Mama, so look, it could have been a fluke, but we'll take what we can get. So on today's episode, we've got a very chilled conversation with a very chilled dude. His name is Paul Vogue. Uh, he's a guitarist slash singer slash wedding celebrant. Uh, he plays in a band called We Set Sail from Brisbane, uh, who don't tour much, so if you see them on a flyer and you're in town, then please go check it out because they haven't actually toured Sydney yet, and I'm pretty bummed about that because I'm keen as fuck to see them. Um, yeah, as I said, Paul's a wedding celebrant. We do talk about that in the episode. He was actually... No, sorry, Nicole and I were his third wedding he'd ever done, and I was looking on their social medias the other day, and I think he was hinting towards the fact that he he's like booked up till pretty much booked out of all of 2018 and if you're listening to this in the future it's mid 2017 so that's pretty fuck that's pretty commendable uh we talk about his record store that he owns if you lived in brisbane or you ever toured in brisbane or just went to brisbane i shouldn't really say toured um and you're into that kind of this kind of music being the punk rocks and the hardcores and whatnot uh, there was a very good chance you went to his shop and bought some shit from him. It was a great shop. Uh, again, we go into it more, so that's cool. Um, look, he actually, no, one thing I will say, he picked, with, this is episode seven, if I haven't said it already, um, and he has picked out of the gate the most left of center song you could imagine um, that will probably ever be played on this podcast. So kudos to Paul. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I guess that's about it. Hoping, hope you're cool. If you're commuting, it's not too rough. If you're driving, drive safe. If you're chilling, then chill hard. And uh, I'll speak to you at the end. Kill. All right, episode seven of the My Age podcast. And I've got a very good friend, uh, his name is Paul Vogue, uh, shredding guitarist, I'm not sure if he's lead guitarist, I don't think they have a lead guitarist in the band We Set Sail, um, and also punk rock's welling, wedding celebrants. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add to the list, Paul? Uh, no one's ever called me a shredder before, so you just keep doing whatever it is that you're doing, because yep. it, it seems to be working in my favour. But yeah, that's kind of it, I guess. Yeah. 
Malcolm and Mary Sullivan in a band. Kids, that's about it. Grey hairs. Grey beard, sometimes. Grey hairs? <laughs> yeah, on the side. Can't see them, yeah. obviously. There's some, some, like some, um, Polly Walnuts. Yeah, I like, yeah, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it works for me, I guess, sometimes. I guess if it doesn't work for me, I'm fucked, but yeah, yeah. I'm rolling with it. Good, good to hear. <laughs> um, so... Look, let's just jump head first into it because that's what the that's what the fans want to hear. Um, <laughs> the fan, the fan, yeah, that's cool. Shredding fans, half, yeah, yeah, shredding fans in the half a dozen my age podcasts return repeat offenders. Yeah. Um, so when when were you born? What were your parents doing? When like tell us about yourself or tell us about your parents and what they were doing musically when you were growing up. See, this is the thing. I guess when you contacted me to do it, and I remember you sending through some stuff, and I remember thinking. What did my parents never listened to music at at all, like ever? Oh, yeah. There was never music in my house. There was never uh, a radio playing in the car. There was nothing like that. The only time we ever heard music was at Christmas time, because um, we had whatever house we were in. <clears throat> I grew up. I was born in Canberra for like four years, but um, yeah, we had my grandfather's record player. My mum's dad, who I never met. Um, and I have that's my record player now, so it's just you know you can imagine it's oh, you still big, got it. Yeah, it's a big thing that you know you can't really just put anywhere in the house. And since I've had kids, it's technically under the house. Um, okay. But yeah, we we had that, and we would only ever time that we would sit. But yeah, it will be aware of music being played that my parents have put on was uh, was at Christmas time, and that was it. And I guess that's why, not to jump ahead, but I guess that's why when I discovered music, it was so weirdly new to me was because yeah. it was nothing that I'd ever actually kind of been around before. Not in a, like I've lived in a bloody cult or something, but does that make sense? Like, Yeah, absolutely. It does. Like it's, it's odd, but then no one's story is ever going to be the same. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's definitely original. So what were, your, what were your parents doing in Canberra and then why, and did you move to Brisbane after that? Yeah, I guess my dad moved here to Australia in 19... 19- 70, I guess, from Denmark, I think, 1970. And um, so he, you know, came here, and, you know, his English was never that great. I mean, even, you know, to the end, his English wasn't that great. But, um, yeah. yeah, I used to meet my mum here, and then we were there till I was about four, and then we moved up to, to Brisbane from there. So, um, yeah, he sort of came over just looking for work. He was a carpenter, and that was his thing, you know. So it was kind of just a normal childhood that just didn't actually involve anything. <laughs> music in it, I guess, if that makes any sense. And sorry, your mum was born in Australia. Yeah, she was born here. I think, she, I think she was born up in Queensland, though, and somehow ended up in Canberra. I think she used to work for the government. I think at the time, a lot of government jobs were in Canberra. I could be wrong there, but um, yeah, that's how we ended up in Canberra. I don't really remember. I remember we had red carpet or something rad like that um, at yeah. the house we were in. But that's about it. It's weird how much you don't remember for those first couple of years, uh, especially now that I have kids and think, God, my daughter's not even three and she's not going to remember any of the rad stuff that I did or didn't do. So uh, we'll see what happens. But well, you've, I guess you've got a lot of it documented. Like she appears on both We Sit Style LPs? Yeah, well, yeah, the my oldest one does and then the, the younger one's on the second one and she's in a film clip or something. Yeah, they're in clip. Yeah, they're in, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, your phone's filming yeah. everything these days. So hopefully they'll remember that we didn't have red carpet when... Uh, when they're my age, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was definitely weird being growing up. Just yeah, there was no, you know, listening to all the other podcasts that things that you've done with this, and it always blows my mind where someone's like, oh yeah, my dad listened to this, or 
my mum was always playing this or I'm always just like kind of blown away that even though that might just be something common to them that I'm just like I just never had that um, yeah. but at the same time I think that's why I embraced it so much when I did if that makes sense yeah when it was when you were exposed to it yeah and I always remember so, being, jumping forward, but I, mean, I always remember years and years later, I mean, I, I didn't even have my shop, record shop at the time when I did, but I always remember my dad telling me at some point, maybe when I was a teenager, and, and telling me when I was 25 that if I still liked music, he would give me $1,000. I think when, you, when you're 13 or something, $1,000 is like a million dollars. But I remember telling him that when I was 25, going, I still, I mean, I had, you know, this was working in a record shop at the time, hadn't opened mine yet, but I tried to remind him of that, but he said he didn't remember. So, so I never got that what down. Was his, what was he giving you a $1,000 for? We always had this whole thing of like, oh, if you still like music by the time you're 25, I'll give you $1,000, which I guess was more of him saying, you know, I know you for a fact that you won't be into this shit in uh, however many years it was away from being 25. I guess that was pretty yeah. little. But I mean, just I always remembered that. It was super weird that I <laughs> remembered that. But uh, I guess uh, maybe I wanted $1,000 pretty badly. But uh, yeah. never got it. No, but yeah, but that was the thing. I think he never really, he never, I guess that's what goes back to why we never had music in the house was because it was never a thing that he kind of really, he really cared about. So he wouldn't understand that someone's still liking music at 25. We've got millions of doing people like music at 25. So yeah. And well beyond that, now. obviously. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well beyond that. So yeah, that's why I guess it kind of answers the question of why I never had music around the house was I think they never really thought it was that cool which is cool people don't think and everyone has to think music's cool yeah so when when we were discussing talking about this podcast and mm-hmm. your episode yes you kept on saying to me how <laughs> worried you were about this particular song well yeah is it going to be a christmas carol like there's nothing <laughs> okay cool going to, be a christmas carol? to answer your question yes i'm holding the yeah. lp actually holding the uh the lp in my hand now i, I mean this because and i even my wife is aware of him much my parents didn't listen to music because she bought me a copy of this record or something off eBay because she knew it was the only record that I listened to as a kid, which was Bing Crosby, Merry Christmas. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. It's got him on the front with the Santa hat and it's, it's got his little fake autograph, his autograph, but obviously copied it a million times. And then yeah. I just, yeah, and I, when I when my dad passed away this year, I plenty at his house, he still had it. So I now I have two copies of Bing Crosby wishes you a Merry Christmas. So if you ever <laughs> if you ever need one, uh, just let me know. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, classic songs on there. But I I kind of always remembered the only one that my dad would kind of maybe sing. I mean, I guess they would. You know, my dad would still drink it at Christmas time, like every yeah. kind of dad did. But there, there was the last song was like this Hawaiian one called <laughs> anyway uh, Melikini knocker or something like that it was pretty yeah. I just remembered that because it's kind of maybe it was more catchy than Silent Night and uh, Silver Bells or any of the other hits I'm reading off the back of it right now but yeah. that that was kind of it I don't even yeah and that's why <laughs> I'd always said to you look dude this song uh, could be could could ruin this podcast for you forever this could no, be it. number seven seven and out no, it's, it's could be the like, it's your list it's not mine so it's, it's, all, okay. it's all on you brother yeah that's good that's good to know thank you for that um so yeah that's kind of as far as music of my parents growing up it's Bing Crosby wishes you a merry christmas uh side two track 
one, two, three, four, five, crack six. Uh, and I think it's called Malakinikiyonaka. Yeah. Featuring the Andrew sisters, if anyone wants to know. It's cool. It's a sick song, let's, I guess. Let's do it up then. Cool. Thank you. Malakilikimaka is a thing to say On a bright Hawaiian Christmas day That's the island greeting that we send to you From the land where palm trees sway Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright The sun to shine by day and all the stars at night Malakilikimaka is a wise way to say Merry Christmas to you. Malakilikimaka is a thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. That's the island greeting that we send to you from the land where palm trees sway. Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright The sun to shine by day and all the stars at night Melikalikimaka is Hawaii's way To say Merry Christmas to you Christmas will be green and bright, the sun to shine by day and all the stars at night. Melikilikimaka is a wise way to say Merry Christmas to you. Malikilikimaka is a thing to say On a bright Hawaiian Christmas day That's the island greeting that we send to you From the land where palm trees sway Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright The sun to shine by day and all the stars at night Malikalikimaka is a wise way to say Merry Christmas. A very Merry Christmas. A very, very Merry Merry Christmas to you. How long does it say it goes for? Uh, just show three minutes. Okay. Classic being time. Two minutes. Yeah. The, the longest track on that album. Is three minutes and three three minutes and ten seconds, yeah. <laughs> and the quickest track is two minutes eighteen. So it's, it's like a punk rock album, but it's just not played fast. Yeah, no, and it's uh, it's festive. Twelve songs, not long. Yeah, yeah that's kind of it, man. It's kind of I can still hear that played, and I can still yeah. I wish I had <coughs> met my grandfather on my mother's side because it's his record player, and he was all my mum says he's big into music and says that I was like him, but I never met him. He's also obsessed with tomato sauce, which I am also into. It's the greatest sauce ever. Um, but yes, obviously there's 
is something in my someone in my family that is into music, so, but I just never met the guy. Which concept. maybe just yeah, skipped a generation. Yeah. <coughs> so that was a hell of a like that's a hell of a song to pick. That's <laughs> yeah, like I did not see I didn't see Christmas Carol coming when we were having this conversation. Oh um, really? By, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't see Christmas. I don't know what I envisioned. Yeah, I didn't see that. So yeah. yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I think you thought I was. Yeah, I think when we were going back and forth, I thought you were going to maybe think I was going to have something that was embarrassing. Knowing that a lot of things would be embarrassing. Yeah, in that process, but that was it. Was just it was more out of like, you know, that's the only answer that I could come up with. But it wasn't like I was trying to search for an answer. It's like, yeah, that's the answer. I knew that straight away before. <laughs> I even had to choose the song. I'm like, yeah, like, this is the record because this is the only record I ever saw in my parents' hands. That's that's pretty. That's pretty amazing. Every 365 days. There you go. Yeah. It's just more into music. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. Okay. So you owned a, you owned a record store, but let's that's jumping heaps heaps far ahead. Yeah. What What did you, you know, after Melikaliki Makai? <laughs> yes. Ben Osbury, yeah. How did you, what was your kind of transition like? Were you listening to music when you kind of got to high school, not high school, like primary school when, um, you know, interacting with other kids and friends and that kind of thing? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously most of us had a TV at home. Um, I think I would, you know, I was, I've always, 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 always been obsessed with film clips, always. So, um, you know, you had Rage, obviously, but there was also video hits and anything else at that time. Like, I'm not old enough for Countdown or something. I was never, you know never really watched that but just film clips so I guess you kind of just found it from there and then when you're seeing all these things that you aren't seeing in your house obviously your parents aren't listening to it or anything so you just kind of I think I just came obsessed with the fact that it was with video clips but also with the fact that there was music as well which obviously is what a film clip is but just the two things together just make so much sense I guess that's why I've always been stoked on film clips ever since then but I think the kind of the first I know that like the first thing that I ever bought um, uh, was a culture club cassette which I still have I think under my house okay. so um, I can still you know how cassettes used to smell weird uh, sometimes yeah. kind of not that great sometimes they, they just had a distinct smell to them which is kind of weird like I remember that one and that was kind of the first one that I bought I don't know what year that record came out but um, I think it was like if I go off my uh, extreme notes I think it was like 82 so I was pretty I don't think I got it in 82. That would, that would have been tiny. But I remember getting, I remember the cover. Obviously, you know, Boy George's, you know, he is whatever, <clears throat> an icon with stuff. But when you're like a little kid, like seven to 10 or whatever, however young you are, like, yeah. that's the craziest thing of all time. I guess it's kind of like a seven to 10 year old discovering Marilyn Manson or something bizarre like that, but just way less melodic. And I guess that's why I always think, <laughs> always like Culture Club because they were super. Melodic, but then from there I never really bought anything else that sounded like that. But again, nothing else really did sound like that. I think from there I kept going with film clips, and then weirdly got into my uh, hair metal stage that didn't really involve me uh, dressing or embracing the uh, the scene in that way. Just again, you saw a lot of a lot of that music was big, you know, in the eighties, and you would see a lot of it, you know, on video hits or something like more mainstream. Uh, video clip shows because those things were doing great and they were in the charts and you would see that yeah. stuff all the time it mixed in with whatever terrible shit at the time the good thing about seeing those things at the same time as whatever Whitney Houston or 
whatever was big, I don't know. Like you would know, okay, well that's shit, and this is way cooler compared to that. Where <laughs> when you look yeah. back at it now, because yeah, I got some of that stuff is kind of shit, but you kind of had those things alongside each other. Where now you could put on whatever people watch film clips on. Obviously not Rage because they still do stuff. But when you get to that point where it's the charts, it's just everything is bad, you know. So it's you kind of just yeah. don't watch it anymore. I mean, when's the last time you watched a video countdown chart show? But Back then, it was like you could see, like, the Bad Medicine film clip by Bon Jovi, that big, and they were always so cool because they would be, like, filming their live shows that were in stadiums with, yeah. you know, 50,000 people, and then you'd have a Whitney Houston one. Let's keep dogging on Whitney Houston, rest in peace, Whitney Houston. But, um, yeah, you know, her cli- th- those clips would be these staged, uh, you know... Walking, oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like, yeah. what's cooler, that or that, you know? So it was... Uh, yeah. That sort of stuff kind of blew my mind. So, you know, you had, I remember having Bon Jovi in New Jersey on a cassette, and then I remember being a big Poison fan, which is, looking back at Poison now, is probably the worst one, I think. But, um, I do, absolutely. But I remember when um, the Unskinny Bot film clip. Yeah. And I was, I used to, I was blown away by it just because of the, not the actual content per se, or the, what, but the, um, the way that, I can't remember the, whatever the singer's name is. No, not Vince Neil. Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels. Thank you. Yes, thank you for making you aware that I know that. Was dancing, and there were two outlines of girls dancing next to him. Yeah. I was like, "What is this wizardry? What is this? What is this like technology that they're using?" I thought it was amazing. But I should have known that they were kind of lame then, because they would do film clips like in in the stadium stage setup, but there'd be no one yeah. ahead. No, it'd be, it'd be all soundstaged. Yeah, and he'd have, like, whatever, what is it, C.C. DeVille would have a couple of different guitars per song and they're all highlight orange yeah. or pink. or. But at the same time, that was what it was, you know. So I remember, I, weirdly, to sound even older, I remember having a pen pal um, in Kempsey. That is that in New South Wales? I don't even know. Yes. But we used to write back and forth, and I don't know how you even found pen pals. I don't even Anyway, it was probably – and it was, it was a poison thing we would always – I can still draw the poison fucking logo, like the word, the way that they do it with the P and the S and the N. Anyway, um, and we used to write back and forth all the time. I remember when we were talking about doing this, I was like, I wish I knew her name and, and kept it because obviously now there's Facebook and I could find her and be like, hey, remember we used to write to this dude like a million years ago. I have no idea what her name was. I just remember poison. I remember having to send letters to Kempsey and we would sign off every letter with like poison rules or something. I don't know super young but um as you do that was kind of a thing and i guess it was kind of bon jovi poison motley crew and then i think when you started to take it a little bit more seriously it was kind of guns and roses appetite for destruction i guess um which was like yeah. i think i must have been like nine or something um yeah and that was a thing when you, you i see I mean, even looking at the artwork of that now it's still not cool um, like it's the, the cover is rad but you know some of that inside sleeve art was is just gnarly and weirdly way more offensive now than it was back oh, then uh, yeah absolutely yeah it is and it's kind of like you know do that now and god you'd be in all sorts of trouble back then like no one knew how to handle things like that so it was um, for being, you know so it was just you know, to be super young and see stuff like you're just like yeah you can understand I mean even when you, know, you go back especially to Poison stuff and you go through the lyrics, you're just like, oh, God, did I used to sing this 
like in front of my mom or something like this is all <laughs> weird sexual yeah. stuff and you're like oh, a dude who has no idea what it is they must have thought it was the biggest weirdo but anyway but I think it was <laughs> I think Guns N' Roses I mean and, and you know they were their filters were, were rad and again they oh, did dude. big stadium things but then they do other things and they do you know and it was they were kind of the most dangerous band in yeah. the world at the time uh, yeah. I've no never seen them play like I guess they never I never had a bigger brother or a family that would take me to a show I remember once they came here on some tour I think it was and my, they played Canberra and my godfather went and got me a shirt that was 10 sizes too big that uh, I could probably finally fit now but you know I mean when they came up here this year or whenever it was I, you know, I had no intention of going to watch it because it would just kill you know the ten-year-old version of me that thought it was the greatest thing of all time. Yeah, and even then, it's kind of like this tour they did with this so-called original live. It's still missing. Yeah, it's still a different band, you know. But yeah. but to me, it was kind of yeah, Culture Club, and then a bunch of uh, hair metal, which I didn't even know what hair metal was. It was just kind of like they were the big bands that you could find, especially being in Australia on the other side of the world. Um, but yeah, then it was kind of Guns and Roses for sure for. Uh, a very very long time, or what felt like a long time at the time, but uh, yeah, yeah, and even then, I think the more I listened to it, the more I kind of found myself accidentally. Obviously, you would get into it from the bigger songs that you would hear, but then you would find yourself liking the songs that weren't the big songs. Which I, looking back now, and when I was doing the this, was going, cuts. yeah, and liking the songs that you kind of get these songs. When you think about it, are the more dare we say punk rock songs that they wrote and it kind of yeah. was setting me up for uh, everything else if that makes sense yeah, yeah what was to follow in the, in the coming years exactly so lay it on me then what's the we're going with Gunners yeah I'm, but I'm, I'm going to go with uh, It's So Easy from oh, what a song yeah which again you know that bass that the fast drum yeah it's a sick song still sick um, yeah. again the lyric content isn't that fantastic but uh, <laughs> no. well, musically yeah. it's still you know yeah it, it's yeah, it's a rad song so I'm going to uh, I'm going to go with that it was either that or uh, something from Kissing to be Clever by Culture Club but I've done Melikaniki Knocker by Bing Crosby and I you know you like don't want to lose the fans no the fans that's it the fans the fans yeah. they could have the fans <laughs> No, give them what they want. No, <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, so Gunners, Guns and Roses, it's so easy off Appetite for Destruction. Nah. Yes. Dude, that's, that's stepping out.
I didn't know where to go with the next one. I don't know. It, it kind of was that that age bracket is is pretty huge, fourteen yeah. to eighteen. Um, and as well, I guess your dad didn't really like music anyhow, so everything you would have played. <laughs> no, but it was definitely in that in that time period that we had the conversation because I've always I never really had that many conversations with my dad. That, at all. And if someone, someone's going to offer you a thousand bucks, and of course you're going to remember it. Yeah, I mean, even at the same time, it was in a patronising way. Um, yeah. Like instead of going, you'll get over this. Um, yeah, it was still a, a weirdly standout. Not that I stuck with music just to spite, spite my dad. Maybe I did. So maybe the my dad sucks bit has actually had more of an impact on me than I think. But yeah. Who knows? So you are you. Are you an only child, or have you got older brothers, older sisters, younger brothers? I've got an older sister, she's two years old. Was she into music? I don't know. I, for some reason, I have a weird memory of Canberra and her yeah. maybe being into Kiss, but not in a way that, not in a Detroit Rock City kind of way, not in, a, yeah. in, a, in an obsessed kind of way. That might have been the thing at the time, and, and she was into it, but... Um, yeah, I guess we kind of have. We never really crossed over too much musically. And yeah, there was. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, nothing against her. Completely fine. Like, but I don't have any of those rad kind of like, you know, this guy next door introduced me to this, or uh, my yeah, big brother yeah. gave me this, or took me to this. It was kind of, um, it was kind of all on me, which you know, was which is cool. But at the same time, I would love to have that uh, that element. But at the same time, I think that's why it's always been so weirdly uh, precious, but so desperate to me is because I, it, nothing ever really got handed to me it was always finding it so when you found it I always felt like I was the only you, person in the world that had found it you, if that makes sense you treasured it that much more yeah in a weird kind of way but yeah yeah, I guess um, I think you know my sister came and watched us play a show a long time about seven years ago I remember uh, Casey was pregnant at the time but 
yeah, musically we're kind of different, which is cool. If everyone liked the same thing I liked, it'd be pretty boring. It would be, it'd be a boring world. It would. So, how, how do you progress from Gunners? I guess in the same way a lot of people did, in the same way that the world just accidentally did, which is uh, 91... Uh, you know, which is, I guess, Appetite was 87. I still I still remember getting uh, Usual Illusion. I got two. I remember buying that because it had the Terminator 2 you could be song on it. Yeah, and my mum bought me that. I remember buying that at Meyer or whatever on cassette. Um, so I think at the time, you didn't have the internet. I knew that they were putting out a new record. And again, you're in Australia, so you don't know a million things. I remember going to buy the new record and then it, was, it wasn't until I went to go and buy the cassette that I realised they were doubles like it was two different releases like I've, I've bought yeah. double cassettes before but they did two completely separate releases which it was uh, two simultaneous albums yeah which is nuts and cool and they would have made a fortune but you know cassette was still like I don't know man I, I want to say a cassette was still 30 bucks like uh, okay and I think you know there's no way I was so I think when it came down to it, the gun was at my head I was like well I'll go this because this, I've heard this song yeah, I've got this song. No, it's, yeah. I'll go all, with that. Fall Else Fails. Yeah, Fall Else Fails. It's got that one good song on it. Yeah, I mean, it ended up having November Rain on it, didn't it, too? I don't even know. But I know one had the version of Don't Cry that got released. No, this one had a different one. Um, yeah, I think they both it, had Don't Cry on it, but yeah. Yeah, but I think in the end I liked one the best, which was the, the orange and red one, because it had... Yep. Uh, more songs that Izzy sung on it that I kind of dug. But, but, you know, so I had that, and then that was pretty much the last uh, Guns N' Roses record that I ever bought. I don't know what else came out after that. Probably that was maybe like a covers thing. But, again, yeah, like I said, the world changed 91. Same deal for me was Nirvana stuff. So that kind of uh, took over everything for me from there. I think that was when I had conversations with, the conversation with my dad about the, (laughs) <laughs> not being into music in, when you're 25. Because I think by that stage, they just went, well, this has gone from a couple of pictures on his sticker board of uh, Guns N' Roses, you know, a bunch of, they thought it was a bunch of guys that looked like girls or whatever your parents yeah. thought back then, um, to being like my entire room covered with, you know, I still got, yeah, I remember I saw photos of my bedroom. It was just every single thing you could imagine. I mean, at that time, you could buy any magazine you could imagine and, you know, the vinyl was on the front, or there was, a, you know, a huge pull-out poster, or, Posters, or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, and, it, and I guess again, we didn't have—I don't, I don't remember—but we didn't really have like the MTV thing here. You know, um, I think by I don't even know no, how no, I no. got into it, but it was again, it wasn't someone showing me it. It was probably just being lucky enough. Actually, I don't know if it was with Ryan or whether it was with Mix one, but a couple of times you mentioned, "Hey, hey, it's Saturday." And it probably could have been that. Not that they were on Hey, Hey, it said they, but you got Molly's thing. I remember finding out Rage Against Machine that way. Um, yeah. Which is weird now to think that you know, it's such a big mainstream goddamn family <laughs> weird show would still take the time to mention things like that, you know. And yeah, they gave Molly his, you know, 10 minutes or whatever at the end of the episode. Just doing whatever. stuff. Yeah. yeah and you would just talk about, like, here's the, here's the camera, talk about music. Yeah. Talk about what's relevant. Yeah. And it, it, I don't know if it was that, but, you know, once I got, you know, I guess I didn't start with, like, I guess like a lot of people here, I didn't really start with Bleach. I guess Nevermind came first. Still have the cassette sitting up in my cupboard. Um, and then it was from there, it was just, yeah, I don't know, everything about that is, is perfect to a point. So um, you know, it's kind of one of those yeah. things that still me and my wife 
fond over at the time. Obviously, we never met when I was that age, but she was weirdly obsessed with it on the other side of the world where she lived in in Texas, and you know, we still weirdly bond over <laughs> Nirvana, yeah, Kurt Cobain things. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it, that, like it was. I don't know. It's it's so hard to even get into the talk about Nirvana because it's just like, like it will like I don't know. People people will debate whether Nirvana can ever happen again. Yeah, and I think like they kind of. I think people you know, just try to never see it happening. No, not on. I think it can on a really small level, like they think it did with. Uh, you know, you can think of examples like people would say the gallows were the next Nirvana or at the drive-in were the next Nirvana. Oh, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, I think yeah. it's just kind of like a, it's just a catchphrase. It's never, yeah, there's never going to be, oh yeah, did you hear, <laughs> this is out and now they're playing to 60,000 people. Like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, but, and, and you like, well, my mum and dad knew, I remember my mum and dad knowing the band, like not being into it, but knowing the music yeah. or knowing the, the name at least. Yeah. And it's like, my mum and dad wouldn't have a fucking clue who who Gallows or at the driving were. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah my mum. Yeah, my yeah, my parents and if they didn't want to know, they were forced to know every time they came into my bedroom. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it was yeah, definitely would never happen again. But at the same time, like around, it was kind of that, and then obviously in utero came out after that. Which at the time I remember thinking, oh, this isn't as great, but now I'll go back and go, well, this is even better. Um, yeah, yeah. Then I go it's, back to you it. Had to, grow, you had to grow into that one, I think. And, you know, obviously it was such a short time frame between discovering that and then him dying, um, which, again, was such a big, big thing. But then it's kind of, you know, like you, know, you hear those weird things back in the, I don't know, maybe it was the 60s when a bunch of people died on a plane or whatever. there was a song written about it, like the day the music died or something. But I've watched so many, yeah, I've watched so many Nirvana documentaries or any Seattle things and, he kind of died then as well. I guess you didn't really notice it at the time, because obviously, yeah. you know, if you if you weren't up to speed, and you know, he passes away, and then you know, it's like anything. Next thing, it's like things become popular again based on that story, and people finding out about it. But things did just kind of die then, and I guess for me, it did too. I didn't keep going. Like I, you know, Soundgarden put out a couple of records or so after that that I maybe listened to, but I didn't, there was nothing else from that scene that I listened to and for, I guess at the same time I didn't have to because at the same time you're 93, 94 you've got yeah. what happened you know which is you've got Pumpkin Drublick you've got How to Clean Everything you've got Unknown Road you've got yeah you've got Outcome the Wolves you've got yeah. Friendly People you've got all of that stuff that comes out and just sort of takes your mind off the entire thing so to come from what you think you know you know Nirvana and they're not this you know no one else knows and then you realise everyone knows them yeah. And then it's all over and then you discover things that are um, going to be even <laughs> even better. But, you know, at the same time, the fun is still pretty fantastic yeah. to me. But uh, at the time, it's like I've just found... The, the thing I always think... I, I, it blows my mind that... Um, I'm sure you've said the 1994 doco yeah. a bunch of times. But just hearing Dexter Holland say that the album Smash came out the, like within days of Kurt Cobain's body getting discovered... And like, if there's if there's ever been a more what's the word? Yeah, like that's that's the ultimate in icon. Like it's the ultimate um, passing of the torch, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Like Smash being such a big album, and Kurt Cobain dying in the same you know week or whatever. 
it couldn't have it. It was like it was. It was like someone planned it. If that makes sense. Well, yeah, that's still one of the biggest selling independent records of all time, right? If my statistics in my mind serve me correct, like yeah, but, and yeah, I guess, it, and like you said, the passing of the torch, or I guess, in the other way around, when '91 came and, and Nevermind came out, they kind of stole it. You know, they never wanted it, so they just accidentally stole it from whatever, and that was, and they stole it from the things that I was directly into, which was Guns and Roses and yeah. all of that. You know, at the time I wasn't, you know, it just made sense to me, and then it makes sense to me again with. Uh, you know, what happened in, <laughs> after he passed away. But, yeah, you're right. Like, in all those years, all those records that came out, it was, uh, it was mental. And, you know, you watch, you know you've, you've watched the same uh, Fat Records documentaries and interviews with anyone, and, they, you know, especially I've heard Fat Mike numerous times talk about, you know, there was never, you would never make money in punk rock. But then yeah. Nirvana came along. A lot of people might not see the same, might see a big difference between Nirvana and NoFX, which I'm sure that there is, but at the same time it was... You know, no effects popularity was based solely on the fact that Nirvana made that music, you know, accessible to you know millions and millions of people. Yeah, so absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I guess that's kind of where I ended up, you know. And then that takes you to the next thing as well. So it's all it's weird looking at it in a weird timeline. Other, you know, yeah. obviously other than the Bing Crosby thing, but uh, yeah. Again, the Bing Crosby was the curveball I just didn't see coming. Yeah, that's okay, cool. good. That's right, that's right. You'll get requests for that for years to come. Uh, but yeah, so then when it came down to picking a song, it was like such a weird time frame because it was like that was hugely important. But then something came along. Numbers. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Two of the biggest, probably. Um, so I didn't know. Like, and then I kind of thought, you know, what I was going to go with. Uh, something off in utero but I was like oh I still you know I still look at my uh, playlist that I have on Spotify that I have for when I'm <laughs> just putting on hit songs that I dig and yep. Drain You is still on there so uh, I'm gonna have to go with even though a great song. all of the the Avatar Fat stuff was huge at that point you know I don't think anything kind of weirdly beat Nirvana at that time you know yeah I based my entire uh, Haircut and fashion based on that. I guess that's why my parents thought it was weird because you know, so I didn't mirror image the uh, the hair metal stuff. I was still probably just wearing kids' clothes. You know what I mean? But yeah, you know, just whatever I, you put. Yeah, yeah, bought my first guitar based on that stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Drain You. I think. What a song! Let's mm-hmm. listen to it. One baby to another says I'm lucky to meet you. I'm done. Thank you. 
But yeah, that was tough. That's a tough one because it's like if you look at all those years and all those records that came out, it's like it could be that or it could be Leave It Alone or it could be Time Bomb or it could be you know, oh, dude, yeah. Unknown Road, so, you know, the opening track or it could be uh, yeah. End On Nine. Or, yeah. And then you got, you know, <laughs> Anti-Manifesto. I love that. Like, I yeah. love that. I love that when you're listing things that Gutter Mouse has made an appearance twice. I fucking love that. <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it was big. I mean, in Australia, that was oh. a big thing. I think if you podcast someone from the States, they would be like, oh, dude, are you kidding me? But Yeah, no, that's ex- like that's exactly right. Like, again, I'd, so the the high fives guys that, I, that, I have, that I've had on, we'll talk about, there's a bunch of bands we'll talk about, and they, from the get-go, never got into Gutter Mouth and yeah. never got into Unwritten Law and yeah, hate okay. Fucking hate Sublime. Yeah. It's like, well, it, like, I it must be a cultural thing because for for them a Sublime, someone who listens to Sublime, is like a like basically a juggalo. <laughs> cool. and it's like, that. yeah, and it's like what, like in Australia, it's it's you couldn't be much further from it. Yeah, um, I mean, so there's, obviously, you doing this, you listen to a lot of podcasts. When I'm going to give this a go, and everything, you know, one of my things I always think about weirdly listening to podcasters they'll be like okay i went to school and there was this other kid that um was wearing a fucking let's say for example a gutter mouth shirt or something which we never but like we didn't have that like we all wore school uniforms like you couldn't really tell who was who and what was what you know yeah. just from the get-go so it was you never really had that much you kind of just had to go with what you knew and like those bands came here or and yeah. that's kind of how you would figure it out i mean obviously from there you would find a million other things but as a starting point, I don't think anyone's ever gone, oh, yeah, I started listening to Avail or something like that, where I know that my wife did, but at the same time, when you're in the States, it's a completely different ballgame, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. We so, did what we could. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, we tried to make it work. Um, unreal, so Nirvana song, I'm, I'm surprised it took so long to get a Nirvana song on the... On these episodes, it took, you know, episode seven, but that's cool. We got there in the end. Hey, you've had, <laughs> you've had, haven't had Ben Crosby either, so... Uh, well, that's true. Yeah, we've, we've broken a few firsts tonight. I love how I'm, I'm embarrassed um, by that, but keep reminding you that I used it. So, uh, don't be embarrassed. Embrace. Embrace it. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah. Um, when did you... When did you... You said you worked in a record shop before owning a record shop. What, what, what record yep. shop was it? How did you get into working in a record shop like yeah just lay yeah, so I think, yeah so it was I think by the time it was, it was 2006 that I started the lease I think it took us a month to open so yeah 2006 we opened uh, Kill the Music but prior to that I'd worked at an independent shop for like four years up there and then I'd done JB Hi-Fi before that which was sort of when JB Hi-Fi first came up here yep. where it was kind of like I mean, work in the music section you have to do a test and uh, answer questions yeah, I did the test uh, I did the test and I got told I blitzed it which I was really happy with yeah I think because before that I'd been at Sanity so you, I'd kind of learnt stuff and, and things because you know there was some questions about jazz or something I wouldn't know but you would kind of you know remember that JB1 had like what genre is this artist and you would kind of oh yeah I kind of knew it which was good so yeah Sanity and then Sanity was crazy because you'd just been listening to one record from 9 to 12 and then another record from 12 yeah. till 5 every single day and you know the yeah. heaviest thing you had in the shop at that point I think was um, the Deftones and I remember the shop that I was in was the first shop uh, 
that we were allowed that we had a, we started a punk section in um, and then okay. the same thing happened in JB Hi-Fi up here it was kind of they could, they had they, they had alternative they didn't have punk um, and I remember once getting pulled aside and they said we've noticed going through because it was such a boring fucking job working at JB Hi-Fi every day oh, get the box of CDs come out and then you would spend most of the day just trying to, to um, fit it in yeah, I liken it to working at, like, not that I've ever worked at Coles, yeah. but whenever someone asks me what it was like working there, I'll be like, it's like working at Coles stacking shelves, except you get to stack CDs. Yeah, like, there's it was... There's no difference. It was there's literally... No, there's nothing glamorous about it. No, it was probably... I mean, I worked at a nut and bolts factory once. <laughs> anyway, okay, that's a lot. Yeah. That was probably the most boring job I've ever had, but JB, every day you'd get out and everything was so tight, you'd have to move the entire rack just to fit in one fucking CD or something. Anyway... Yeah. Um, I ended up getting kind of in trouble, but not trouble, because they would go, we'd go through the alternative section, we would notice that all the punk-related stuff, which obviously fell into alternative, was really well taken care of, and the alternative yep. stuff, which I guess was everything else, which is probably huge, yep. was, and I was like, oh, cool, sorry, whatever. So they said, what we're going to do is we're going to start a punk hardcore section, and you can take care of that, you can pull everything out and keep it separate. And I was like, oh, cool, so I think they're then started doing that everywhere obviously now it's a thing that they do everywhere and I guess in the end yeah. kind of ended up they would have done it eventually I mean I guess by the end of it you know moving from working at that shop to working at, at an independent store for four years it's like well I'm glad I just made Chevy Hi-Fi seem a bit better to get records yeah. in but anyway um, but even working at Sanity when I was ordering records I remember ordering like Poison the World records they'd be $50 you know so it was yeah, um, all imports. it was just insane so um yeah, so I sort of did the independent shop for a while and again noticed, again, you know, the guy running it, whatever, was that's not his genre of music, wasn't into it. Cool. And at the same time, it's the 2000s and things are bigger, you know, and there's a lot of, it's not just, you know, your no effects, rancid, Pennywise, there's obviously a million big things that are happening at this point, like Screamer stuff and all that shit. But yeah, I kind of just went this, you know, people would come in wanting stuff and be like, well, you can get it, but we just wouldn't usually have it. Um, so then I was just kind of, you know, I've been there for four years and worked every Friday night, Saturday, Sunday for however long. Yeah. So I thought if anyone was going to do it or anyone's stupid enough to do it, might as well be me. And I knew that the guy was selling the place that he was at. So I was like, well, I'm either going to be out of a job or I uh, do something really dumb. So then I did and kind of, <laughs> kind of worked for about seven years. And then, uh, you know, we kind of shut at the start of 2000 and. 14, I think we gave the people, the people, uh, Brisbane, like, four weeks notice, and then we kind of yeah, shut up, yeah. yeah, which is kind of what I always wanted to do, I mean, I guess, you know, my wife had known that, well, she was pregnant at the time, no one knew that, so I yeah. couldn't really have two kids and be here all the time and not be making it, I was doing the wedding stuff then too, so I literally had two jobs just to keep one going, so that's yeah. dumb, so, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of when we closed up, but, you know, I, uh, I do miss... Because easy, you know, that, that's how I would find out new music at that point would just be someone coming in going, do you have this? Be like, I've never heard of this, man. Check it out, man. This is sick. And then you would get it. So I missed that element of it. But at the same time, I, I don't miss not being around with yeah, kids all the time. other things, yeah, not to miss. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I don't, don't know if anyone's opened up a, a shop since then or not. But, uh, yeah, I just I haven't even been into a shop for a while since then other than just getting stuff through uh, Resist Online shout out Resist Online but uh, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> that's kind of it so yeah that was the record store story 
I mean, there's probably a million other things that happened in that time frame, but uh, that was the time. So what? What are some cool things that? I, I mean, I know the answer to this, but just for the people listening, what are some cool things that you actually did in your record shop, mm. as in like in stores and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I guess the biggest thing, which was when we had brand new play there, that was pretty big. That was a weird time. Like we, I was in a band at the time, and we did the whole tour around Australia with them, which was super surreal, and then. Ended what up, band was that? That was uh, the Paper and the Plane, this kind of weird band that I was in for way too long. Uh, we did a lot of weird, so we did that, and we, we toured nationally with Thrice, where they even took us to Perth. It was a weird, weird time. I think <laughs> people must have been struggling to find support bands, and we were it twice, quite luckily. But, uh, yeah, I kind of broke my ankle the day that brand-new tour started. I remember being at my wife's house going, I don't know if I want to go. Like, I was in a cast or whatever like I can't do this but uh, we did it and so I remember hoppling up those stairs every time to go to to work and then they played in the shop and yeah there's a lot I mean we had uh, I'm trying to think I probably should think thought about this more but yeah we had bands play there all the time Like, and it was kind of got to the point of where you know we didn't have super mega bands play all the time brand new was probably the biggest thing but you know having the Nation Blue through there and having yeah. Lungs play there and Having just you know, I think we, we had the dude from Bray do a show there, and uh, he did a solo tour. And there was you know, we had, every time I died came through, not Newfound Glory would come through all the time, so they wouldn't play there. But you know, it was just yeah. it was cool. But at the same time, like you know, when you're so engrossed in the shop and going, how are we going to make money to stay open and all that stuff, which kind of super when you're an adult kind of bears on you a bit too much. That I found sometimes that I couldn't enjoy it as much as. I should have, yeah. but, you know, I think it's one of those things. I still think I, it's still fresh in my head. I haven't really had anyone ask me about questions like that since it's shut. So, you know, because I didn't know, I didn't do any, oh, this sounds wank, I didn't do any media stuff when the shop was shutting. Like, we would get contacted by, you know, music websites and the Courier Mail and all these places, and I just went, I don't, would just ignore it because I just hated the fact that they wanted to interview us because we were closing. And I was just like, fuck off, like, Interview me when I'm open. Yeah. You know, if you didn't do it then, like, this this isn't going to help me. Like, interview a shop that's open now. Don't interview someone that's closing. So, we yeah, but, you know, there don't, was, yeah, don't catch me at the tail end. You know, there'd still be articles that would come out going, you know, we, but, you know we've reached out to, <laughs> to Mr. Vogue, but he hasn't responded. It's just be like, well, fuck, why would I bother responding? We just, even, even when we were closing, I just did a video saying, you know, that we were closing on this day. I didn't talk to anyone other than people that came into the shop. So, if you came into the shop and talked to me, yeah, cool. But outside yeah. of that, fuck, it gives a shit. So, um, and I'll post the link. Is the video still up on Vimeo? Yeah, it should be, along with the. Because like it's, it's, it's sad, but it's um, it's a fantastic video. Yeah, I just kind of I didn't know because I didn't. I'm not really big. Get, I wouldn't know what to say, and I didn't, wouldn't want to do a big. I think I did probably yeah. type something up after the fact because you know we had so much cool stuff happen. You know, I guess the coolest things that happened. You know, I mean the brand new thing is good, but I still think the best stuff that happened was the end where we you know Violent Soho did a show for us with the gift horse and raise money to help us get out of stuff and then Amity did this huge thing and you know um, you know those are two huge bands that were you know even this is 2013 Christmas time you know this is when this all happened um, back to back couple of days apart you know all organised within a couple of weeks mainly through uh, Shane Collins shout out Shane Collins but um, you know that all happened What's up, Shane? yeah I didn't really have anything to do with that you know other than up and again it was so weird and like I said man, you're the first person to truly really ask me about this but because my wife was pregnant she gets you know being pregnant 
can suck and you can get pretty sick. She wasn't there. So I was just literally felt like I was just there by myself the whole time, even though I was surrounded by hundreds of people. It was just kind of as far as the shop, like who had, you know, obviously we had, you know, two staff and stuff, but as far as like who had to deal with the bullshit side of it and the, uh, I don't know, the headache side of it and the fucking painful side of it and the reality of it was mainly only her. So the fact that she wasn't there was such a weird, I remember that clearly, but yeah. We still had another week or two to go after yeah. the uh, the Amity show, but I wish we just had that show and then just shut the shop because it was kind of this weird movie-type poetic ending that I kind of always dream of. But, um, yeah. but yeah, so that, I mean, yeah, out of all the things, they were probably the coolest things, regardless of, you know, the money that helped us get out. It was still just cool that bands that huge who didn't have to do a fucking thing at all, yeah. um, you know, did. And, uh, you know, it was crazy. You know, I guess still want to repay, yeah. Yeah, which is rad. Like, I guess you don't really think about the shit. I mean, I, I can't look back. Yeah, I guess with Amy, I remember, I remember they would bring shirts in to sell on consignment when I worked at the Skinny's Records up here. And yeah. um, I would just go, yeah, we'll just sell them for 20 bucks and we'll give you 20 bucks. Unaware of it. You know, obviously, I didn't own Skinny's and the, the guy pulling me inside going, yeah, we can sell the shirts, but we kind of need to make some money at the same time. So going, oh, yeah, fuck, that would yeah. make sense. Sorry, dude. Um, yeah. You know, so... You are a business. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and yeah, it was kind of... And I, just, I guess, you know, that was consignment for bands with T-shirts at that time was kind of new as well because, like, Amity was, you know, in so many different incarnations of the band, but has always been a core member. But, you know, they've had so many different... I wish I'd kept all those shirt designs that we used to have back in the day. They'd probably sell them on eBay and... I was about to say, yeah, there'd be a market still. Oh, they were terrible, but, you know, the fact that you can't get them would be be worthwhile. But, yeah, it was was good. The shop was cool, but, you know, I'm glad that I did it because I think it's also helped with the wedding stuff, as weird as that sounds. But, you know, you meet enough people throughout that time and those people were maybe 16, 17, 18 or whatever at the time. Now they're getting married and they're like, oh, we used to come into the shop. And I'm just like, fuck, cool. You know, thanks for coming in and now going to marry you to yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm married well I've got that similar story like I think the first time we pro- I'm not sure how we got in contact but I remember the first time we probably properly spoke was when um when there was that flood wave was it called flood uh, wave yeah yeah true that was up at oh god that Radburst City I think yeah I remember that and it was the Bronx Terror didn't make it. They missed their flight. H2O or something. Um, Trash Talk and H2O, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you sent me down some tickets for it. And yeah, okay, that was like, a, yeah, but oh, what's that? that place is an arcade now. I think it was a Shamrock. Now it's like a place that has video games. Yeah, cool. That's, I remember that. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, like two years later, married it, married my wife and I. I still talk about your wedding uh, with people every so okay. often because it comes up. Do you know what element of, of your wedding I'm talking about? When no, I, not a it's people. It's when we're talking about rings, and I'll be like, "All oh, right." Because <laughs> a couple a couple of weeks ago, the dude he forgot the rings and he forgot his shoes. Completely random, but yeah. But okay. so if someone was going to bring him up, and I said, "Look, man, if you, if you don't have the rings, it doesn't matter. It's not a legal requirement to have wedding rings." I'll be like, I "Remember this one time I did this wedding, and the bride had forgotten the rings, and I remember the groom thought she was full of shit and <laughs> she was joking, but she wasn't yeah. joking, and then they just grabbed the rings off someone's grandparents, right?" Yep. Yeah, yep. and I'm thinking. I actually thought it was way better than actually having the rings itself. But yeah, yeah, yeah we give myself shit about that. I'm not. And people at the back didn't know what was going on. Yeah, they just thought they had no idea that, like, had no one have told them Nicole didn't have the ring. Like, this is what people told me. People who were seen towards the back had no idea. Yeah, okay. just like, oh, 
There's a small delay. <laughs> yeah, so... You thought she was joking, Oh, though. good, I get... Legitimately. Yeah, that's what I thought. I still remember I was that. Like, I, was, I was sitting there going, oh, yeah, like, ha-ha. Like, we're running late. Let's kind of get a move on. And she's like, no, I'm fucking serious. <laughs> like, But it didn't take long. I don't have... remember there being a delay. I just remember there just being... Someone figured oh. it out within like I mean it probably felt like a million years, but it's probably within fifteen yeah, seconds. It's one of those things. If your guitar cable dies, <laughs> if your guitar lead dies on stage, yeah. and you miss out on a chorus, it still feels like ten minutes worth. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So after all that, anyhow. Yes, yeah, sorry. Um, let's let's pick a let's pick a song that sums up your you know coming of age. Yeah. So this was, I guess, at this point. Like I said, with the Nirvana stuff and the the Fat Records Epitaph stuff, like being so big, but all sort of in that same time frame. I guess by the time I got so obsessed with all of that, I then found myself getting more obsessed with things that were more. I guess I got more into I got more into hardcore sort of stuff, um, and definitely more into uh, Australian sort of stuff, if you know what I mean. So I think yeah. for me, Australian music. Not to sound unpatriotic, I do remember watching Tumbleweed on a, uh, Hey Hey It's Saturday once while I was doing Hey Hey It's Saturday. But um, I was never super big into it. I guess at the time, you know, we had up here, we had, you know, we had Body Joe was always big and Blister was big and One Inch Punch was big. And But as far as like, yep. it was just those sorts of things. But I, you know, once I got into sort of more hardcore stuff, like you kind of realize that Australians do it better than others sometimes, as much as some people yeah. do. Um, I was big into, I was big into like melodic you know, youth crew stuff, like battery stuff or in my eye stuff. But then I think I kind of, you know, going through that, the guideline of what I was into at that age group, it was, it was those first two irrelevant EPs. Oh, dude. Oh. So dude. I went, even like I can still hear the, um, you know, you might listen to it. And I don't know what Mick thinks of the drum sound, but they had a distinct drum sound, whether that was like on purpose or whether it was like a shitty thing or whether it was like something that they went with, but I can still hear, you know, the opening drum patterns to that, you know, the, the need for divinity EP. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. 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 I, do, I think it was, um, it's, it's like listening to like, okay, let's like listen to minor threat yeah. and going, fuck the guitars on this sounds so good. And it's like, well, they didn't mean it. It was just what they had. Yeah. If that makes sense. So if they were to, like, redo those EPs, I wouldn't like them. Do you know what I mean? If they were to yeah. re-record it'd them. Using... It would probably be slower. <laughs> be, they, it, would, it would lose a lot, of fe- a lot of the feel. Yeah, it would lose that kind of urgency of what it was. I, I don't know if, if what they were doing was um, reinventing the wheel, but to me it was kind of like, yeah, this is cool. Like, it wasn't like you know, like a lot of that. It was different to like a lot of the screamo stuff. It had the elements of the, uh, it had elements of unknown road mixed in with, uh, you know, yeah. whatever modern day, whatever underage sort of stuff. But it was kind of, but it was Australian and it was kind of, it was still rad. And you know, we would like I sort of said to you when I was mentioning earlier, like I had to go down to Melbourne to see them for the first time. You know, I had to leave Brisbane to go to Melbourne to see a band from Sydney. You know, so that was that was a weird routing. But uh, yeah. That's kind of what it was. I think we went on with two shows. One was the the corner, no, the art house, and then at the place, I think it was called Midian Studios or something. I remember taking photos on a uh, fucking camera with a 
with film. Was that for the Grey Tour? That wasn't the Grey Tour, was it? I don't know what it was. I, it, I, from what I remember, it was not saying it was the best thing, but I'm pretty sure it was just those first two EPs. But um, I don't know who played with them. I took, I had a video camera at the time that filmed stuff, but I've never uh, bothered to get those tapes and convert them to the 21st century. Are we still in the digital? Yeah. Um, but I should because it was, it was rad. It was just your yeah, classic, you know, white wife beater singlet that he would have on all the time and uh, yeah, that kind of look. I don't know who was in the band at the time. Remember they had that attractive bass player. Remember they had like a sexy bass player for a while? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Paul. And then, Paul used to play in... Uh, I can't play, I can't remember. Drawback. He used to play in Drawback. Yeah, okay, there you go. So uh, Yeah, earlier was this band. Uh, good chin line. Um, but... Oh, very strong. <laughs> so powerful. Yeah. So, um... Did they did get another bass player after that? For other stuff later on? They did. I don't know. I kind of... Those yeah, first two... So, and then... so the... Paul was the original... Well, the original bass player when they started recording. Yeah. And then he left and they got Mahesh, who sang in Frontside. Yeah, okay. Yep. And, and then Mahesh left and they got a guy named Mikey Zamet, who was managing Wanderlust Short and, and played in Wanderlust Short for a brief stint. And then he left and they got... Uh, what's I can't think of the guy's name. They got a guy who played in, who also played in Unpaid Debt. And then they broke up. And then when they got back together... Was you? The guy who, pl- yeah, the guy who played in Unpaid Debt was becoming a cop. And the weekends... So it was like down at... Well... In, in Sydney, in New South Wales, when you go, the, the, the police academy's in Goulburn. So he was in Goulburn all the time. And the weekend that they were playing these shows, it was the, um, the, their, the shows were the Wanderlust Short, Body Jar, Irrelevant oh, yeah. for Amusement Only. Yeah. yeah those shows. <clears throat> the weekend that tour was on, he was graduating being a cop. So I got a phone call saying, hey, do you want to do it? I was like, you fucking better believe it. And then, but where were you at though? What, 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 how many sorry. songs could you play at that point? None, right? Why would you know that? Oh, all of them. Well, why? Just because you'd like? Because I was. Me- I was a okay, man. cool. On, yeah, okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I was so I was like so when. Um, did they know that then? I know they knew you were mega fan. Yeah. Did they know that you would be able to play that stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, they just Mick, Mick, the drummer who I, you know speak to several times a day and you know and like used to back it like I have always kept really good contact with him no matter where he's lived um kind of thing yeah like he he just knew that I knew the stuff and so he messaged me and said hey like this is this is an opportunity I was like yep because I actually tried out for the band in um when yeah when Mahesh joined but they I was also playing I was so I was playing in that band Badanga that played on that that show that we that randomly we're talking about, and then someone pulls out a flyer for, which was just insane. <laughs> yeah. um, and they were like, "We don't want to get a bass player who's going to have to quit their band to join our band." If that makes sense. Yeah. We don't want to, We don't want to break up a band to get someone to join our band. So, yeah, they didn't get me. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, that's right. like, it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I like they knew I knew the stuff, and like I yeah. I knew them really, really well throughout the years and, you know, I was good friends with them. And then, so I did those shows and then 
that was in August, I think. And then all of a sudden, Mick pulls me aside on our wedding, on my wedding night, and just says, "I got it, like, I got it. We got a show." And I was like, "Fuck, dude! Like, it's, it's, you know, the wedding's like an hour over, and we, and we're talking about music straight away." He's like, "No, no, you like this one." And I go, "Okay, well, lay it on me." And he goes, "Think of your ultimate lineup festi- festival lineup, yep. and then put a relevant on it, ever relevant on it." And I was like, "Okay." And he goes, so where are we on the bill? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And he goes, okay, so we're opening. Now put bands above us. And I just kept on guessing, kept on guessing. Had no idea that he was going to say The Descendants. And he's like, yep, so The Descendants are headlining and we're opening. And I was like, this is fucking insane. Like I completely just lucked into it. So that was the first one. That was the first show that you did with them. No, no, no. No, no, the first show was the British Art One was short. When you were really sick, Yeah. yeah. And then the next, so that was in August, and then the next show was the same. Yeah, okay, so. So, yeah. so I guess the question is, when will you play again? Is that possible? No. No, unfortunately. Yeah. So, what, um. So it's going to be hard for you to appreciate it, but I guess, yeah. So, I mean, there could have been a move, there could have been anything from uh, battery, whatever it takes, could have been anything from. In my eyes, nothing to hide was big. Four punch stuff was big. Propaganda was still big. They were still putting out better records than ever. Um, Dude, like one of those rare bands that just every album. Actually, I'll say the last one that didn't catch me as much, but yeah, like they went from strength to strength to strength. Propaganda. Yeah, totally. So then you know, they put out a big one in, I think, two thousand and five or whatever. I really, really dug. And yeah, but yeah, I guess there was all that big American stuff, and you know, obviously there was. Early saves a day stuff and all that stuff. I think by around this time I'd kind of met my wife as well, so we were kind of she was into uh, stuff. That at the time I was like, oh, "What is this?" But now I kind of think I like it more than everything involved because she was into a lot of you know late nineties emo stuff that uh, now I kind of worship yeah. more than I did back then. But at that time, it was uh, paled in comparison to uh, twelve years on by Rella. Oh, dude. I mean, look, you couldn't have picked a bad song from this EP, <laughs> but this is a jam. Yeah, this is a good one. I'm, I'm really excited to play. Like, if if there was any doubt about you putting Bing Crosby <laughs> Christmas Carol, yeah. you've completely redeemed it with, like, a left-right-left for songs two, three, and See, four. that's it, right? So, keep him, keep yeah. him guessing, but, yeah. That's okay. I'm, I'm, yes, I, I'm, I'm kind of bummed that I got the CDs are all in my house, but it's probably stacked under a million other things, so... If there, if you have any way of putting it on Spotify, so I can add it to uh, Paul's party playlist. Twelve years old, with a dozen sort of killing to where you've come from. What's so wrong? With a no direction, if I want to go to you, far away.
So, Rello's 12 years on, classic, just unbelievable band. Yeah, that's why we're going and, um, and And um, I think it's almost like it's karma. I don't know what it's karma's probably not. It's like reverse karma. Like you had to travel down to Melbourne to see a Sydney band, even though you're from Brisbane. Yeah. Because your band at the moment, like, has flown over Sydney yeah. and won't play a Sydney show, but you'll play Melbourne. We tried to book. It's heartbreaking. We tried me. to book Sydney just recently, but we, we, I kind of forget. Like, you know, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, we think we're all the same, but we're not. Brisbane, like, if I want to do a show next week, I probably could. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. and that's not based on us being a band or being a good band or anything. It just comes down to finding a venue and yes, I could do a show, but we tried Sydney, but we couldn't find a, a venue that would have us. It, it definitely is tough. Yeah, well, it was tougher than um, we thought and we're pretty lazy, so I think that's why we gave up. But, um, yeah, unfortunately that makes sense. <laughs> it still bumps me out. So let's talk about We Set Sail. Yeah. Um, five piece? Yeah. And what's your role in the band? Uh, play guitar and sing, which is kind of daunting. But uh, do you share duties? Used to quite a like bit. Yeah, in the first record we yeah. we did because uh, the bass player used to sing a bit as well. But then uh, he was having a kid and kind um, of wanted to focus more on, on that. So we kind of uh, he left before we did the second record. So it was kind of it kind of just by accident fell on onto me. But then I always just writes we still write stuff the same way we did when we had him so I just get our new bass player to, to sing as well he's a way better uh, singer and guitar player than any of us but for some reason he's on bass but uh, yeah so yeah, yeah I kind of do all that it's kind of daunting but it's kind of good like I mean I guess I appreciate being in a band more now than I ever have ever you know, even you yeah. know, like I said <laughs> we talking about that fly from that show that we both did 15 years ago like like, yes, I probably wouldn't jump in a van and drive to Canberra to play one show for 20 minutes and then come back, but I would appreciate the fact that I can do a band now still, which I guess comes down to, uh, you know, my wife letting me do stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, def- I mean, yeah, the older you get, the more you've got to fucking sing about, you know what I mean, or uh, write about. And you kind of appreciate the fact that you can yeah. keep doing it I mean we're never gonna change the world or we always talk about you know we're never gonna write Wonderwall smells like teen spirit but um, getting back to that Oasis is probably the closest that have come to that Nirvana thing but anyway um, same time different genres but yeah yeah, we kind of do our thing and you know we're doing a third record now and I just kind of always get stoked on the fact that you know we're a band next year will be 10 years you know put out three records all by ourselves no one's helped us you know and we just do what, you know, not that, you know, people might come and watch us, we don't know, we've only done, we haven't played since January, but, uh, yeah, it's weird, it's cool, like, it's just, like, the ultimate hobby, I think, I kind of accepted the fact that being in a band at this age, or any age, really, but at this age, just the same as, like, old dudes that play golf, or whatever, you know, that's cool, they do golf, no one questions the fact, no one ever yeah. says, you know, oh, Joel, you're still playing golf, are you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> still doing the band? You know, like, what the fuck, you know? It's more, yeah. not just dogging on people who play golf, but, you know, being in a band's a bit more fun than that. But, uh... That's, that's a really interesting way to look at it, because, yeah, people still... Yeah, you'd never ask if anyone still plays soccer. Yeah, it's kind of like, or, why yeah, did you stop but, playing soccer? It's like, oh, my, my knees yeah. don't work, or... 
you know, it's kind of weird. It's like, yeah, you still in a band or you still skateboard. You know, like, it's just like, yes, you can keep doing shit that's just because young people do it doesn't mean you yeah. can't do it. Yeah. And it's also that fear of not wanting so, to get old, I guess, but, you know. Oh, dude, it's it's absolute arrested development. Yeah. Or, or like, prolonged. Yeah. Um, so a big feature of We Set Sail is the incredible samples you guys throw in like and use almost as this is going to sound a bit wanky but use almost as another instrument or you know it's another layer to the song um whose job is it to find the the uh samples uh that's usually me because i'm such a big fan of them and that comes down to okay 90s fat records epitaph punk no it comes down to good riddance it comes down to yeah. uh, i was about to say you know, yeah good riddance, they were the, they were the ultimate you know and there's probably a bit more uh, intellectual than some of the ones that will be fine, but um, I think it comes, and I've always loved that element of it. Like, you know, I think it, like, I'm glad that you see it in the same, the same light as being an extra instrumental being. And in, in, yeah, to me, I look forward to those bits, you know, even, uh, even in my own band, like those samples, I always think it's cool. And I, I think, I guess, most people don't do that anymore, I guess, probably for legal reasons. But, uh, you know, if yeah. we were to get sued, it'd be good publicity either way. So, um, yeah, yeah, that, that's probably like one of my favorite bits. It's kind of like, you know, I can write the lyrics and sing it and play some crappy guitar, but then find this sample that kind of brings it all together. So, you know, sometimes the sample will come first and I'll just base something around that so I can make sure that I get to use it. And um, you're a celebrity. Mm. How did that all come about? Well, I don't know. Like, I guess a lot of people. I celebrated the band. Yeah, it's way. definitely weird. Definitely done a lot of, a lot of weddings. But I, mean, I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I know why I did it now. Like, my reasoning for doing it now is is different to when I did it at the start. I don't. I always think I did it because I needed money to keep the shop open. And I thought, well, if I can do this, yeah. you know, I can make, you know, a couple hundred bucks that my wife could, you know, have and whatever. And then. Yeah, but at the same time, we might need because it was the last whatever six to eight months of working at Killer Music. I wasn't bringing home any money, so we needed something, um, and that was kind of it. Took a long time to get, you know, approved and do the whole course and all that stuff. And you know, there was always a friend of mine that would come in and go, "I reckon you're going to do pretty good with this." And I'm like, "Oh, we'll see what happens." And you know, he was literally the second person that I ended up marrying. But um, yeah, I guess now I do it in a weird kind of way. Uh, for the same reason that I got into music stuff. Because I think when I was into music stuff and I worked in shops and um, actually I remember like once I got out of different phases of music, I would take CDs to friends' parties and I would sell CDs at parties. Uh, like, you know, if I got into Gutter Mouth, then I would get into every other thing that sounded like that and you realise something that's not that great. So I would yeah. sell that at parties to then make money <clears throat> to buy whatever I was into then after like all the youth crew hardcore stuff and, and whatever so I was technically opening little shops yeah. at parties but everyone yeah. it's so good <laughs> yeah, exactly it was, but it was heartbreaking because you'd spend $30 on the city and sell it to for 5 or 10 bucks to someone's brother at a party but um, I think I was always known as that guy that kind of not that it's a great thing but known as that guy that knew all this stuff and knew about bands and what was coming out obviously before internet yep, stuff okay. I guess because I always had to try and find all the things myself so that's why when I opened the shop it kind of made sense because I'd always known all of these things and I guess that's why I like doing the wedding stuff because I could meet you or I could meet 
completely, you know, to other random people who don't know what the fuck they're doing. And they, and you can yeah. say to them, look, you don't need to do anything weird at all. These are the three things legally will do, and you can do whatever the hell you want, you know, but here's some ideas and yeah, this and that. You know, there's no need to read a poem yeah. about love that no one wants to hear. There's no need to uh, read from a Bible if you don't want to. You know, some people contact me going, we're not into yeah. God. I'm like, <laughs> hopefully no one really is. But, uh, yeah, that's the whole point. Of, <laughs> In an yeah, ideal that's world. kind of why I'm here. But I think I'm into it now even though that can't be the reason why you got into it because it's come after the fact, just due to the fact that everyone that I meet has no idea what they're doing. And the fact that you can tell yeah. them this is what you can do and they kind of get stoked on it and not scared of the fact that they're getting married um, is kind of cool, I guess. And I can't, you know, I could never have that again with the music side of things because there is the internet and the internet is going to tell you everything you need to know. Where it comes to weddings, the internet tells you every dumb thing you could possibly do. And here's an example of, yeah. here's an example of this. Every textbook. Yeah, so the internet is fantastic. Um, obviously, we're talking via the internet now. But uh, when it comes to weddings, it's terrible. So to be able to, like, I feel like I'm, like, 1994 pre-internet, but knowing everything about music and telling people all about it, but it happens to have nothing to do with music and it happens to just to be with, with weddings. But, you know, that's kind of cool, kind of works for me, I guess, so... Um, Dude, that is really... Like, that's a really interesting way of putting it, and it completely makes sense. Yeah, because, you know, you could go to... Like, people always ask people, what was the last wedding you went to? Like, oh, I went to my best friend's wedding, it was fucked. And I'm just like, why? And he's just like, well, this and this and this. And I'm like, so, is that what your best friend's into? And he's like, no. But his best friend probably sat down with a celebrant and he said, here's option A, B, and C, which one do you want? He's like, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever gets us to drinking beers. Here's, here's the three traditional ways. Yeah, and they said, just get it over with so we can, you know have a drink or whatever or get to the novel part of the day where I end up convincing people that this is the novel part of the day and you know it's always so when people hit me up going oh, man the ceremony was the best part you know and because uh, it's the one time everyone's got your attention they're, you got to give them something cool you can't give them something weird and uh, yeah. kind of yeah and people seem to dig obviously it's kind of been a weirdly successful idea to a point now I do that all the time so um, can't do it can't do it forever because it can't be the and the other thing that's good about it is uh, people think you're young. Like if I had a record store, people would think I was a young record store owner. Uh, but when you're a celebrant, they think, yeah. they think you're young because you're not 60. So I'm just going to keep riding that wave until uh, no one says that anymore. No, that's it, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's shallow and fair enough. Yeah. No, just, and, then, and then at that time you just jump. Yeah, the what's the next thing that makes me young? Lawn bowls or something. Be a champion at that. <clears throat> or I'll take up golf or something. Shout out to the people playing golf. Yeah, let's pick this. Let's, let's talk about the song that I guess sums up where you are. Like, you know what what sums up Paul Vogue in twenty seventeen musically. Well, I guess when we did the when I did the Nirvana one, I was like, oh, I might save that and use that for now because that's still I find I appreciate that even more now than I did yep. then. But um, I think now I kind of I think the music I listen to now is a hybrid of all of that stuff if you know what I mean which I guess makes sense but um, I uh, there's not many there's new bands that I dig obviously but you know the good thing about being in the music for so long and it, you, you have so much great stuff that you can listen to on any given occasion you can go back and listen to any old lag lag and stuff now, I haven't listened to this for ages and it seems new to you because you've listened to so much stuff since then so it, it kind of you know yeah, kind of yeah. you seem you seem mean and naive that you don't go finding new things but um 
sometimes it's, you know, it kind of has to punch me in the face to almost get my attention. So, um, but I do find myself for, for the last three years listening to uh, this band called Pianos Become the Teeth. I didn't really like, okay. I didn't really dig their first two records. It wasn't really my thing. It was kind of, but they kind of completely changed on this third. I think I guess it's that third. But I think it's um, yeah, this third record that they uh, <clears throat> they put out like 2000 and, yeah, 2014. Uh, what was that called? Keep you or something? Let me check. I, mean, I should really know this because it's my thing that I'm saying. Okay. notes for everything else, but I haven't done that. Was it called Keep You? Yes, Keep You. Sick. And then, yeah, they're weirdly touring here at the end of the end of June with um, Luca Brasi, I think, which is kind of random, but. I'm going to go. So I yeah. kind of, um, they're kind of like a, a mashup of like, they're kind of like, if they, they could have been like a 90s emo band, but they happen to be playing things. Now, so obviously a lot of those 90s emos records are, are great and perfect, sound like shit, but that's kind of part of it where I guess they're doing it now, which is completely different to how they used to sound, but um, I guess it's kind of like the new version of old music that I listen to, if that makes sense. I'm yeah, sure that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Put a sticker on front of their record, but uh, yeah, it's kind <laughs> of uh, and that that record has been uh, one that I've gone back to over the last three years. That I've just been kind of like, this is sick. If this band toured, I would leave my house. You know what I mean? So, uh, which yeah, takes it. I'd make the, the the once every so often pilgrimage. Exactly. I saw Mineral a couple of years ago, and then I'll, I'll go and see. Actually, I'll go and see stuff mainly when we play shows, but. Um, yeah, they're coming here at the end of the month, so I'm kind of stoked to see how it all goes. I've got a new record coming out, so I'm actually kind of excited for, for that. I was kind of excited for that NoFX album last year, but I still didn't get it, sorry. But um, I didn't get you into did, it. You I didn't, didn't get it as yeah, you didn't Yeah, no, I yeah, still... Fair enough. You're, you, you still like that record? I like yeah, it, yeah. I like it. I just it. find it... Because I didn't... I really didn't like the previous that one. Coaster? Was that um, something else? No, it's okay. self-titled. I just, yeah, I think it's yeah. gotten to that point of, I'd love for them to do like, I mean, I'm sure that they are, it's just their delivery. I, I just feel like there's no seriousness at all, even though there is non-stop seriousness in that comedic way. It's just become too comedic for me. To, that's why when I heard that, that six years on dope, I think I just finished the book and all the lyrics made sense to me. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. It's clearly about smelly and blah, blah, blah. And I uh, was kind of stoked yeah. on how that song turned out. I'm a big fan. Melbourne fan always wanted to uh, meet oh, Eric Mel, but uh, yeah. but yeah, I just kind of didn't uh, dig the record. I don't know how it got to that, but anyway, <laughs> it's kind of like um, <laughs> yeah, the piano record. There was definitely a reason for that. Maybe it was because that was a record that came. That was a record that was coming out that I was stoked on when it was coming out. I remember doing an interview when okay. the re- when our record was coming out with Hysteria or something. Like, oh, what some records you're stoked on that are coming out? I remember saying. I'm stoked for the new No Effects. I haven't said that for a long time, but then I wasn't stoked on it when it finally came out. I guess I was just basing that on six years uh, on dope. But uh, on dope, yeah. Which it was a that's a, like I remember hearing that and thinking, "Holy shit!" Like they've found their form again, kind of thing, in a different way to like a linoleum yeah. or whatever. I'm just thinking this. It feels. Like you could feel energy in the song. Oh, totally. I mean, it's it's on, it's on my party playlist on Spotify still. It's a it's a good one. But uh, yeah, it's a fantastic song. So, what's the piano's become the teeth song? Well, they did a um, 
they did this makes me sound super nerdy they put the record out and they put it out again like a whatever people do repackage revised version and it had audio commentary which I listened to total nerd um, but they ended up putting a track on there which was called 895 um, the numbers 895 and I remember hearing the audio commentary it was like they said it was the first song they wrote and by the time they finished it they didn't really dig it so it didn't make the record but it's actually really cool it's kind of, yeah it's just got that kind of midnight I mean, it's weird I just got a text a uh, Facebook message from them because I've had <laughs> I've had some of the... They toured here once with La Dispute. I didn't go and see them because this record hadn't come out and I hadn't really got my ears pricked up. But anyway, they, they left their merch or their, their records at my shop. So I have like 100 kilos worth of their yeah. records and CDs. And then when I shut the shop, I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? So I took them to my house. And I've been sitting under my house for four years. And uh, now that they're touring, I said, I've got this, I've got this merch. I need, to send, I need to send these records off to Adelaide because they come to Brisbane it's like one of the last stops on the tour it's like if I send it to you to Adelaide you can sell these CDs for five bucks or whatever and the yeah. records and there's like yeah. 200 odd one copies of this one CD so they like sell all this shit but I'm not going to charge you any money for storing these things under my house but you need to play 895 when you play the Brisbane show so I'm demanding I'm demanding shit that's a shit. fair request that's I may have also, also asked yeah. for two others but um that's a good deal. I'm boxing up stuff, sending it to Adelaide. So, uh, which I guess is where this tour starts. So, uh, just being a logistics legend. But uh, yeah, that was I've just yeah. that just messaged me back, making sure that was all cool. So, um, yeah, eight nine five pianos become the teeth. Should uh, see them when they're here. Maybe if you feel like leaving the house. If you yeah no that like yeah I'll definitely keep an eye out for it. Um, any plugs in before we uh, wrap it up? Hmm. I'd like to get back down to the. I've, me and my wife always talk about getting back down to the Central Coast when we did uh, when we did your wedding down there. So anyone else having a wedding down uh, Central Coast? I still remember flying into Newcastle and a, a fly flew straight into my mouth as soon as I got off the plane. That was my first impression of Newcastle, um, and then drove the rest of the way. But uh, yeah, anyone looking uh, to get married near Central Coast or somewhere that gets me away from Queensland summer at some point. We'll get a. Uh, oh, because Paul doesn't wear Paul doesn't no, wear shorts. I mean, even I mean, even now you probably think I'm stupid wearing a, a jumper and, and long pants in the so-called cold weather we're having, which we're not having. So where can um where can people find you? Where can people find Wiset? Um, there's a Facebook thing which then links to all the Bandcamp stuff and uh, records and stuff yep. on sale there. I think if there's some, and then we are the records. I sold think out. they had. I remember the last time they had. I know I had one here, um, but yeah. last time I checked, because you did a limited run of tapes. Yeah, that was an, actually that was an American kid. <laughs> I forget what his label was called, Flying Hope Records or something. Just hit us up to do it. And I was like, yeah, cool. And he did the tapes, and then sent them back to us. I don't think we've played a show since then to sell any. But um, yeah, so he put it out. He's not afraid to put out a record with samples on. Um, yeah. But with no drums, <laughs> he's like. Uh, He's probably 16 and probably can't go to jail. But, um, yeah, that, yeah, so there were tapes. I forgot. I haven't even got a copy of that tape. That's, thank you for reminding me of that. I should get them before they're all sold out. Yeah, unreal. Hey, mate, thank you very much for spending okay. time. Thank you. That was a long and, one. Sorry. I asked you how long these things go for, and I can see the timer in front of me. No, it's okay. Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. I loved every <laughs> cool. second Thanks, of man. It. I appreciate it. And uh, no dramas. I'll speak to you Take soon. Take care, man. I'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye-bye. 
chill was that um thank you for listening i really really appreciate it um i'll post i'll post uh links on if you're interested in getting in contact with paul uh on the social like on the different social medias that he uses um and the we sit sale social medias that they use i'll link that as well if you're so inclined um yeah thanks again for listening i really appreciate it and Again, shout out to Nicole for uh, watching some horrible TV show while I record this and having the patience to let me run off and do this every you know, every once in a while. Um, actually, one thing I will add, with a bit of luck, hopefully by the time the next episode comes out, which will be end of August, uh, well, in between now and the end of August, um, you should be able to find this the podcast on the podcast app on iphones and i don't know if you if you don't own an iphone then i don't know how you listen to, like i don't know what app you'd use um for android or whatever but i'm sure it'll probably turn up on stitcher or whatever um but yeah it just makes it a bit easier because you know if you've got an iphone everybody has that app um so it just makes it easy to listen to i will still put up on mixcloud as well but yeah with a bit of luck and hopefully that brings a few more people to kind of check it out um yeah and then yeah so let people know if you dig what i'm doing if you dig what you're hearing just tell a mate yeah that's all that's all you need they tell a friend and then they tell a friend and then they tell two friends you know that wanes well bit that's basically what happens um and then we get fucking squarespace money and me undies money and movement watches money yeah it's an inside podcaster joke that was pretty fucking lame anyhow um cool take it easy enjoy bye everybody knows everybody knows that's how it goes Joe still pick 
picking cotton for your ribbons and bows, and everybody knows, and everybody knows that the plague is coming. Everybody knows the scene is dead, but there's gonna be a meter on your bed that will disclose what everybody knows. And everybody knows that you're in trouble. Everybody knows what you've been through. Cross on top of Calvary to the beach in Malibu. Everybody knows it's coming upon. Take one last look at this sacred heart before it blows. And everybody knows. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that's how it goes.